Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 72, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Colin Fitzgerald, Stephen Glick, and as always, our executive producer, David Herman, as we bring you the latest news from around the ACHA and CHF seasons. Pretty much everyone's underway at this point. Um, I know a lot of teams within the next two weeks will be playing their first games, but we had a full slate of games this weekend, another full slate coming up this weekend, so we're very excited. One of those guys who was in action last weekend, Glick, how are you doing? It was good. The boys started off the season with a road trip up to RIT in Oswego. Uh, fortunately, we did not win either games, but the team looks solid. We're just kind of excited to come back again with two games closer to home this weekend. I miss you guys. Unfortunately, our football team won a huge game and um, was not fit to travel up to Oswego to catch the action. We did watch the first period and then we watched the highlights the next day, but I mean, it looked like a solid game. Oswego had a, a decent amount of fans there for, you know, a team that has an NCAA team on campus. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with the amount of fans. They were really into the game, getting tripped a lot after every goal, which, you know, it's expected, but I mean, it was definitely a great atmosphere for sure. It sounded like they were playing Hey Baby after every goal. Was that was that accurate? I try to forget my goals right after they happen, so I have no recollection of what was going on. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fitzy, how you doing this week? Same old, same old. Struggle with this question every week now because I just have nothing going on. Can't wait for the season to start. Literally just twiddling my thumbs here. I did go indoor skydiving this last weekend, so that was pretty sick. Thoughts after doing something like that? I mean, definitely a bucket list item. For sure. I felt like I kind of, it's like a, it's always been on my bucket list, but it's like a, you can like half check it off because it's not like the real deal. So I, I for sure got to do the real deal still. It is pretty expensive for what you get. I think four minutes of, or no, it was two minutes, two minutes of flying time. So like it goes really quick, but at the same time, it's like, you're literally floating inside a little tube and you don't have to have the risk of your parachute not opening and splatting on the ground. So I thought it was pretty sick. I don't know if it's something you'd like do twice. I probably would want to do the real thing, but definitely for sure I would check it out if you haven't. It's two minutes now. Is that like usually how long it takes when you jump out of a plane to skydive? Is that why it's two minutes when you do go indoors? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. I'm just spitballing here. I have no idea how long it takes you to jump out of a plane, but you have like a scheduled time and like you have to go through this like classroom orientation. You learn how to jump or not jump, but like fly in the tube. And there's a guy in there with you, obviously like holding you and stuff. But I think they got to like have a fast turnover rate so that they can keep making money, obviously. So you just get two minutes and that's that. You've been killing it on TikTok lately. We actually get into it a little bit in the interview with Wes, uh, how him and Glick haven't really posted in a while, but that's how they, they you know, ended up meeting each other. So it's good to see you, you've been enjoying the off season of content. There's a bunch of stuff in my notes that I, I need to, videos I got to make that I'm I'm running out of time because they're they're fed oriented videos. And if I'm, I'm in the in the spill, I can't be making fed videos anymore. <laughs> there we go. Love to see the gears turning. Herm, uh, successful surgery this week? Successful surgery this week. Uh, got to walk us through the week that you had. You came down to Cuse. Uh, for media day since we last talked you visited Cuse actually you saw the hockey house in action uh, which I think was an eye-opening experience for you I mean I've seen the hockey house in action like this is you say it like I haven't been up in for for several weekends in Cuse before it was a statement weekend like in college football they call it statement wins like we had a statement win when you when you came for the visit here's the here's the thing about Murph like I've been willing to run through a wall for Murph like virtually and then in person for hockey house stuff. Never before have I seen Murph like earn his C at Ostrom. We'll we'll leave it at that in terms of a, a pregame hype the hype the boys up type speech. I I 
you you getting the boys hyped up to Sirius is nuts. For context, when we have sororities over at the house, which as a club sport you get to do because, you know, the varsity teams don't really have that. And girls on campus like to hang out with us because we're it's a friendly environment. Everyone's welcome at the house. Like we don't do what frat houses do and like 400 girls and only 20 guys like it's a pretty good ratio when they come so we we got to make sure that we're being the best possible host that we can we do a lot of cleanup around the house we play all the music that the girls want to hear uh, we make it it's a hockey home you know a couple nights a week and I every week I got to get up there on stage and give the speech, get the boys fired up because it's like it's like a home game. You know, you got to play well when you're at home. And and we did that when when Herm was there. So it was a blast. Next weekend, we did our orange and white scrimmage, which we have we haven't done in my time here. I don't know if we've ever I mean, I can't remember the last time Syracuse had orange jerseys. So I'm sure it was a blue and white scrimmage at one point. But it was really cool. We we got a uh, a new light system at the rink. We got well the same light system, but we got a spotlight. So we got to test that out for the scrimmage and new camera angles on the broadcast so that was cool to see and it was nice for I mean last year we played Stony Brook on opening night like that's a top 10 team in the country for 18 rookies to play their first college game against which I think was you know not the ideal scenario so it was nice for everyone to get like a game under their belt before uh you know we play Kent State this weekend but everyone's fired up here in Cuse we can get to it a little bit more but I mean it's also exciting time to be on campus because of the success that the football team is having everything's good in the 315 lately I can at least say that two people in my office were aware that you guys had a hockey series this weekend because of the Barstool Q's post. Common Gav.GoW, common Syracuse Hockey W for getting that and seeing all of the boys. I know, I know there was a group chat involved in that where it was like, go hype up this comment section. And you guys did, of course. Basically, I have a, a guy that I worked with and did social media for an NIL company on campus. I was helping out with them last year. Too much on the plate this year to do that. But basically, like, I was like, hey, I need to call in a favor. Like, do you still have connections with Barstool Cuse? And he was like, yeah, like, what do you got for me? I was like, I have like a sick video. Like, it's definitely your quality kind of video. Like, would you be willing to do a collab post? And I guess they don't do collab posts, which makes sense because I'm sure they would have people begging every day to do a collab post. So they just say no to everyone. But they ended up reposting the video and I just got a text at like three. And he was like, hey, I'm going to post this at four. Like, any other tips? Like, what caption do you want? And I was like, yeah, like, we play on Friday night, but the football team who's three and oh playing against virginia on primetime tv is also playing on friday night so it's like maybe just like throw in the caption like saturday's game is at two o'clock uh just so people people know yeah the boys lit it up in the comment section it was great we got a bunch of followers who it's it was cool because you know uh, an account like that and and getting people on campus to at least know we have a team and people in the area to know we have a team. But we're going to have to get some wins on the board before we start asking for more attention because right now the, the football team's got all of it, and rightfully so. Herm, let's dive into it. We've got this new software. I shouldn't say software. It's a software that already exists, but content submissions. I'm not going to lie. When we first started doing this, I was like, I don't know. This seems really complicated. It's, it's much easier for people to just email or DM. And then I went through as a demo to do it, and it is legitimately it takes 30 seconds it's super easy it's easy on our end because we get to put all the footage and the pictures that we get into one place and then we could post them at the highest quality anything i'm missing herm like but it's a great system everyone should take advantage of it by the time you're listening to this there'll be a post up with instructions on how to do it uh but super easy to get your stuff on the hockey house first link in bio it is always going to be at the top of our link tree at 
any hour at any time of day, feel free to send us your photos, videos, highlights, stream links if you don't want to cut it yourself. This is how you get your stuff out there. If you're a player, fan, parent, coach, media member, whatever it is, this is how you get our attention and make sure that we see it. Because I look through every single submission. I get an email every single time someone goes through that form. It is so much easier than having to jump through hoops, having someone send us something through DMs. And a lot of people aren't aware, it's because they don't really care like that, that Instagram DMs severely reduces the quality of the stuff. So you might see competitor pages kind of taking lower stuff from the DMs. We're taking stuff straight from the source from you. That's really what's differentiating us moving forward is that I've kind of toiled and experimented and built this architecture on Qualtrics through the form to make it as easy, low effort as possible for you to go through and get your content out there. It's also important too. I, I think a lot, we try to answer as many DMs as we can, uh, but ultimately a lot of stuff on Instagram gets lost in no man's land because if we don't follow you back, you end up in our requests folder. Those can get lost in the shuffle really easily. And this, like her mentioned, guarantees that we're seeing your stuff. We can make sure we put it out there in the best quality content. So moving forward, that's going to be huge. Um, so be sure to check it out and uh, you know upload something yourself to just see how easy it really is. We had some upsets this week. The Redbirds out of nowhere, Illinois State. Somebody was saying that this team is really good. A couple weeks ago on the pod, they said, watch out for Illinois State. They knocked off number 10 Missouri State and shut them out in a 41 save masterpiece uh, in game two. Shout out to Mark Imburgia from our resident ISU expert and former hockey house intern, Sophia Andrews. All of our rosters are stacked this year, especially D1. The chemistry between the returning players and the rookies, very visible on the ice. Some of our new guys come from playing out of the Chicago Cougars together, and they have great assets that they all bring to the team. Coaches are hoping to have a good enough season to make it to nationals. Super fired up for the Redbirds. I think that was great a great opening night. Anytime you, you can welcome a number 10 team in the country to your barn on opening night and then get a sweep is huge. Herm, going from our resident ISU insider to our resident Ohio insider, tell us what's going on with Bird Arena because I think a lot of people on social media are confused why the ice looks the way that it does. For those who haven't seen when Murph says looks the way like it does, it looks like a glorified synthetic roller rink at this point. Is that is that a fair comparison to make? It looks like rink 10 at Marlboro, like the Zamboni has just cut it so thin that you're seeing through to the concrete. We joke about like, quote unquote, historic bird arena and all of the problems and things that have kind of built up at the years over in, in Athens. Like the Olympia broke down last year. Funny, haha. We got a reel out of it. Fine. Here's what happened this year. Campus Rec, building across the country and especially at OU, didn't come to check the facilities and the compressor before starting the cooling process and the compressor exploded. The compressor was 30 years old and it's supposed to be replaced after 15 to 20 years. So they're a decade late on that repair. What happens when you're a decade late trying to fix something? Shit blows up. 
the previous individual within campus rec got a promotion, didn't tell anyone about his promotion, dumping an incredible amount of responsibility on one particular individual who deserves none of the blame for this. Liam Marone and the coaching staff had to paint the lines themselves because campus rec was so short on people that they weren't getting themselves done and they had to make a call. Tryouts had to happen in Athens instead of shipping them up to Columbus. The rink is like supposed to be operational at this point and is a staple within the Athens community. I don't know. Is is that TBD to say at this point? Like, is it is is it a physical safety hazard? I have no idea. But like, the blame, in my opinion, falls squarely on Campus Rec. That's so so frustrating for me as an alumnus of a perennial top ten program that should be given the world. That sucks. You know, this is one of the best recruiting classes in in program history. You, you've got guys from Canada galore coming down to play for the Bobcats, and they're skating on bullshit ice. It sucks. I chimed in a little note here. We had a little ice issue tonight in Syracuse. One of the, I guess, one of the pegs. Somebody was doing goalie work uh, before our practice. Uh, one of our freshman goalies. There's a hole right next to where the peg goes and it went all the way down to the concrete today so we had to practice with the net like three feet above the goal line to make sure that uh you know nobody hit the cones it sounds like glick had a similar issue this week in temple too yeah i saw your note and i added my own note on top of your note about two weeks ago we had something pretty similar happen where or the ice in one of the creases just was unusable so we had to literally practice with the net like about three feet up and as a goalie that will fuck you up for the rest of practice so i it's terrible but it's consolation that all three of our teams have had rink issues this year. Well, and then to go off of Herb's point, I believe from what it sounds like, the ice will be all right for the season because I know that all the white is it's just a layer of paint. So like if you don't paint the rink, it'll just look like the concrete color. I know there was a team, San Francisco used to have an ECHL team. I remember seeing the video of it. They did a, before the season started, they had like season ticket holders come skate on the ice before they painted it. And it was just like a concrete floor that they looked like. It looked like people were skating on concrete, but because they just hadn't put in the paint in yet. So I believe it's feasible to play with the way it is, but we'll, I guess, have to keep an eye on that this season. But if you see it, maybe be a little nice to the Bobcats social media people because it's definitely out of their control. Shout out to Trace Parker of University of North Texas. He breaks the record for the earliest ACHA engagement of the season by popping the question to Brooklyn, his longtime girlfriend. Adorable photo from Kira Grace. Love to see the ACHA engagements. We had two, two, three last year, right? Uh, First one of the year already in the books in late September. So love seeing that. How long until Liberty steals this back from them, this record? It's a good point. I'm actually surprised. I feel like we haven't seen an on-ice Liberty engagement. Maybe that's, you know, a pregame puck drop, something like that. I, I could see that being a huge hit there. I know they, they always joke it's ring by spring, so maybe the Liberty ones happen after the hockey season's over. We had a huge hit. This is a great clip. Ryan Goodfellow, great name destroyed a Western Michigan University stallion in open ice, legitimately folded the kid up like a lawn chair, um, and it led to Michigan State men's D2 team knocking off Western Michigan's D1 team 4-3 on the road. I like early on in the year, we get a lot of these D1 versus D2 games, D2 versus D3 games, and then as we get into October, we'll even see some NCAA D3 versus ACHA 1. But love these games. You kind of get to see the parity between the leagues when we get games like this, but you know, Ryan Goodfellow, like I said, great name. Folded the guy like a lawn chair. If you haven't seen the clip, be sure to check it out on our Instagram. I uh, wanted to shout out 
Robert Richter, his OT winner, App State knocked off Elon 6'5 in overtime. Probably was like a top five event in App State this week uh, with everything going on with their football team and college game day going. I'm sure Mr. Richter and the fellas at App State probably enjoyed themselves after that game. Uh, Hail Mary pass to beat Troy at the buzzer. Great couple of weeks to be a Mountaineer. So that campus is buzzing, but shout out to them. They got the 6-5 win over Elon in overtime. Speaking of overtime, Embry freaking Riddle. They beat Florida in OT with 1.7 seconds to play. This might end up being one of my favorite clips of the year. This was one, Herm, I think you posted and I had already gone to bed and I didn't see it until morning when I woke up and I was like, this is electric. We had talked about earlier in the night, like doing two posts and you're like, ah, we can't do two posts. And then that happened later on in the night and you ended up posting it, but phenomenal camera work here. We got the OT winner and it immediately pans to the crowd. Yeah, I almost feel like uh, guys in the crowd are just going nuts. It pans back. We got a pig pile on the ice. It was it was college hockey at its finest down in Daytona. Just an electric clip. We did have that conversation, and I was ready to go to bed, and I got sent this link, and I was like, oh, my God, what just happened in Florida? I had literally had Money for Nothing in my mind from an earlier reel from the Comets. That was a, a song that I was going to use earlier in the day, and I decided to use Danger Zone. So I had that in, my, in the back of my mind. I wanted a, a clip that I could use to like progress to like a, a real crescendo, and that clip was perfect for it. Additional shout out to Vincent O'Connor, friend of the podcast, friend of mine, phenomenal person, Phenomenal photographer. Kid hustles like nobody's business. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing more about Embry-Riddle as this year goes on. Yeah, electric stuff. They also have one of the best logos in in the CHF with the, the eagle with the visor on. I think that is a great. Might need that on a shirt. Time for the ACHA Burgers blowout of the week. Uh, this one, we had a two-touchdown score. East Texas Baptist beat TCU 14 to nothing. Herm, you think it's time for for ETBU to step up their game? I think they should be scheduling Oklahoma. I really, really think they should be looking to do that. And then my other hot take is that I'd love to see them and a team like Texas A&M make the jump to men's one if they have continued success. I know right now... A lot of the reason that they're men's too is that a lot of those Texas teams, they're concentrated in like their geographical area are men's too. So it doesn't make as much sense for them to drive as far to like Arizona or Oklahoma or Alabama or something like that. But if they were to make the jump, it would be really, really cool to see that Texas level and then maybe more justification for nationals at an M1 level in Frisco or something like that if they start having some serious, serious success. The Western Collegiate Hockey League would be a good conference for them. I know that's a powerhouse of a conference, so that also might be a reason why they're holding back because if they were to make the jump, they would be playing in a conference that's a complete juggernaut. Yeah, ETBU too. They got the... the they got the powder blue jerseys with the white shells, which is a pretty, they, it's a look that they pull off pretty well, I think. Herm, who's calling their shot this week? We got Adam Burtzlaff from Bowling Green men's two team. He said, Bowling Green has a special team this year. Watch out. We're going to have a really special group that we've been building for a couple of years now. Teams are going to look at us on the schedule and think we're going to be an easy W and we can't wait to shock the nation. I mean, those jerseys that they came out with last year for the outdoor game were so sick. And then to top, that they came out with the Selly hockey throwback hats, which 
I got to find a way to get my hands on one of those ones because those were sweet. But yeah, would love to see Bowling Green uh, make a run this year. Speaking of going on runs, everybody knows that a successful team has a great looking website. Optum X Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. The best part, your first year is free. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. Like we talked about earlier, we have a link tree set up on our socials. Use the link in our bio because if you're interested in signing up, you can use the referral link at optumxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. They've got this new feature we're super excited about. It's been in the works for a long time. You can now add a team store to your site, sell tickets, merchandise, and even make payments. This is going to be huge for teams who are looking to fundraise money because now you have this all at your fingertips. Shout out to Florida State and Villanova's women's team for hopping on the OptumX train. This week's guest presented by OptumX is going to be Wesley Coonan from the UNH CHF team. Roll Kitties. He was a great guest, a friend of Glick's and longtime listener of the pod. It was great having him on, and we'll turn it over to Wes now. We're pleased to be joined by former University of New Hampshire Wild Kitty and longtime supporter of the Hockey House, Wesley Coonan. Wes, welcome to the Hockey House. Thank you. It's awesome to be here after uh, you guys just had your two-year anniversary so we're pumped to have you you were like one of those guys like from the og hockey house days right where you were making tiktoks about the acha and it was like oh this is great like it was such (laughs) so wild during quarantine just seeing like other people talking about the acha on tiktok i guess like nowadays it's not as it's not as uncommon because so many people are using it but like a lot of guys in our demographic like college age guys who are hockey players were not using tiktok so i think like the back to the early days of quarantine and i remember seeing your unh content was pretty cool oh that was that was quite the time i remember uh that's when hockey house came out right we were getting the gears turning at that point yeah i remember going into quarantine i was like man there's nothing to do coming from california i was like i got sent back home longest spring break of our lives right get sent back home like i gotta find something to do like there's got to be something and everyone's telling me oh download tiktok download tiktok finally download it i find glick on there i comment on one of his posts and we just become buddies and then i start posting a few videos and stuff and the year before i graduated i was getting chirped for all the tiktok stuff it's like people telling me to renegade i'm sure you guys get it all the time too telling me to renegade and now it's like people come up to you and go like oh are you the guy from tiktok and like i swear at parties like because the algorithm of tiktok it's like you and party just constant people coming up and i mean it's kind of funny because it's just a little app and i don't think i've posted in a year really posted anything meaningful in a year but yeah i still get absolutely chirped for my tiktok so i totally agree with you on that there's not a single team i play against where i don't think i get a single chirp about like my tiktoks that i haven't posted in about a year but it just follows <laughs> you around everywhere yeah and your mask too it's hard to hide you know i think the mask is iconic at this point like it's like broder's mask patrick waugh's mask and, and your family guy mask are, are right, <laughs> right up there in the hockey hall of fame i definitely wouldn't compare my yellow mask anywhere close to broder's or patrick waugh's mask but thank you for giving us such high praise i used to say to people all the time when they would come up to me at parties and be like oh my gosh i've seen you on my for you page i would just say like oh i'm so sorry my acha tiktoks are not meant for you like i i apologize in advance but no Wes, i mean we've been trying to get you on for a while we had some difficulties the last couple weeks here since we've started to you know get this in the works you've accepted a new role at unh you're going back to your alma mater kind of walk us through that because i think you will be the first person in this position that we ever had in the podcast which i think is pretty cool 
school. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's no ACHA to the show or CHF to the show. Coming out of college, I, or even during it, I knew that there was an open spot. So there's two coordinators for those that I haven't told. Actually, I think you guys are the first people I've told because I've had to keep it kind of under wraps just in case. I've taken up the position of sport club coordinator or the coordinator of club sports at UNH where I'm going to be managing like 22 to 26 club sports teams if you guys have been in i know glick's in a president spot right now it's an absolute just mess being a president and it's just it's a gauntlet it's a it's a show it's so fun but it's such a mess so i'm going to be entering into the jungle for about 22 of those teams for unh so yeah no i'm really pumped to be doing that i was pumped when you told me that because i have the perception that sometimes a lot of people that go into these club sports roles don't really know what goes into club sports the kids at unh will benefit from having you, you know, be in a leadership role because you have been in the trenches before, you know exactly what they're going through. Yeah, that was a big thing in the interviews. It was like, because it's a university, I mean, if you guys get to, if you guys start applying into the university systems to work there, which I'd hope you guys, you know, find million dollar jobs right off the bat. It's such a process because going from HR in one department to HR in the entire university and to HR of the entire system, it took about two months for me just to get to the last interview, which is, again, just a jungle and a gauntlet. So it's like all that sports clubs uh, management and kind of being able to talk to everybody and being okay with like the slow pace of everything I think paid off because I was able to just kind of sit there and tell myself like okay like they're doing stuff on their own I can't just rush them and I can't rush myself so Glick, were you going to add something about you know being in the club leadership role? I was just going to say, out of the twenty-two teams, it's a good thing it's not twenty-two hockey teams. So I'm sure those badminton, you know, your random badminton clubs, your random ultimate frisbee clubs, won't be as much of a challenge as the CHF team. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> so Wes, kind of walk us through. You mentioned living in California, not the worst place to be sent during quarantine when when you yeah. you know you've you've been stuck in the Northeast your whole college life. Kind of walk us through what it was like growing up in you know California, and then how you you ended up at. UNH. Yeah, so I think I speak for like a lot of people that grew up in California and played hockey. It's like, you know, your dad's playing or you're being taken to games. For me, it was my dad was playing and playing beer league and that was like roller beer league and ice beer league and I was there almost every game. That's how I kind of fell in love with the sport and then my brother came to my games, so playing it all my life and kind of living in this like weird shadow. I, I I'm sure people listening are like, oh, California, like there's no hockey there. Kind of growing up in this like very fortunate time, but kind of weird where like everyone thinks that there's no hockey in California. It's very obscure. The first generation of players are starting to play in the NHL or they've already won cups. There's uh, blanking on some like really old names, but you've got like Emerson Edom, you've got Matt Nieto, you've got all these guys playing in the NHL. And even farther than that, you've got these division one players um, and college players at the time. And now it's like, it's almost not too obscure to be seeing California birthday players. So growing up doing that, uh, and then when I started going into the college admission process, that was a whole other story too. Essentially, it was like, okay, you know, for every hockey player, you have juniors, so you could go straight to college. I had a few juniors looks, and I wanted to kind of pursue that. But at the end of the day, my best offer was an NCDC offer, and that was only because I knew the coach, because I played for him for a tournament. And coming out of high school, I was 5'11", still growing, and I was 130 pounds soaking wet. So I was by no means ready for anything higher than, you know, maybe a tier three league in the US. So decided it'd probably be best to kind of further my education. And when I was applying to schools, uh, it was only schools that had club teams. I knew I wanted to play club. In high school, I saw, I think it was uh, Cal State Long Beach playing Northridge. So California State University of Northridge at the time, they were both D3 programs, I believe. And I remember like thinking, oh, 
you know, this D3 California hockey, there's like two or three really good players on both teams. But other than that, it looks almost like a house program. And then as I kept growing up in high school, I would see these teams move up to D2. Suddenly it was two players on each team to an entire line, entire line into two or three lines. And it was something pretty spectacular. So when I was going through the whole scouting process for juniors, even though I knew I wanted to play club, I was telling the, the scouting agent that I wanted to pursue club so then I ended up just canning that didn't see a need for it and so for me for like the financial status kind of thing I'd gotten admissions waived which was huge for me so this meant I could pay five dollars instead of seventy dollars to apply for schools tons more club programs that I could apply to so I ended up applying to 17 schools uh, something happened with my counselor in high school where my grades weren't sent, everything else was sent. And then it started getting weird because some schools like Boston University had gone back to some of my friends, whether it was accepting them or denying them. That was a school I had applied to. I still hadn't heard anything. Suddenly one school gets back to me, another school gets back to me. They are pretty much asking me if I thought it was like a joke or something where I didn't apply to the school or I you know, didn't send the grades on purpose, even though I had no knowledge of that. So then comes time, enrolled into Boulder, uh, CU Boulder, because I had seen their facility. I loved the school, wanted to go there. Then something happened with admissions where it's too late for uh, scholarships and everything. So then I go to rolling admissions. UNH is one of them. They give me a really great deal. And I'm like, hey, they play in a D1 arena. They're a great club team. They have pretty good club success. I was like, this is a pretty legit place. Like, why not go there? And I mean, I graduated from there. So obviously I loved it ever since. Yeah, I think that's a huge part about club hockey success in the Northeast. A lot of guys come on here and they talk about how cool it is to play in all those arenas. I mean, the BUs, the BCs, the UNHs, UVM is playing to the gut. Like, there's so many cool rinks that you get to play at. It's funny that you're talking about being in high school and knowing that you wanted to play club hockey. It's like a shame that the hockey house didn't exist at that point. You probably would have been looking at way more schools than you already were. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, you know, you look at like Oklahoma and that that atmosphere is amazing. I didn't even know Liberty existed, and that's like the top or the most known club program now. I, I honestly probably would have thought Syracuse was already NCAA D1. I, I probably wouldn't have gone to Oregon, but I mean, that's an amazing program. There's so many programs that you guys are, especially you guys are putting on the spot that it's like, if I was going into college right now, I would be so overwhelmed with what program I would want to go play for because everything just looks amazing. Even like you, Kentucky, you guys just posted about that amazing program. They have like a thousand fans in that community rink. Coolest thing in the world. I think we're all kind of on the same page. I know Glick's mentioned it before, but like a bunch of us like didn't look at too many ACHA schools. Like I think knowing what we know now, I mean, would have been like going to the transfer portal, like looking at, I would yeah. probably would apply to like 50 schools. Not that I don't love Syracuse, but just to like see what else is out there now that we, we know what it's like. I'm curious, walk us through your freshman year and playing on the club team. Were you playing on the, the ACHA team at the time? No. So walk in to college first day, right? I'm like, okay, I'm pumped. I want to, I want to meet the coach. I want to do all this. They have the players meeting. I go in and I actually meet one of my future roommates there and one of my future teammates too. We sit at the same table. We're at the players meeting and there's probably only 40 or 50 kids. I knew they rostered about 20 to 30 people. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, things are looking decent. They're telling us, you know, you get the same thing as the varsity team. You get uh, everything head to head to skates. So you get the helmets that say Wildcats on it. Like everything's just legit. So I was like, this is amazing. Finally get out there for tryouts. There's 70 kids competing for six spots. And realistically, it was really for three spots because there's these two twins who graduated with me and they both hit 100 points last season, which is absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, you see them step on the ice, you're like, okay, they have spots. Um, And then there's another kid who played Monarchs in New Hampshire and he was like 
one of the best players I've ever seen. And he's playing club. And I was like, wow, you really have like 70 kids competing for three spots. I thought I was going to be able to get one of the spots because I was cocky and I was like, it's still club. And then, you know, wake up to it two days later when they released the the list and the roster and I'm, I don't make the cut. Like, so I'm, I'm kicking myself. I don't know what I'm doing. But then I remember in the last skate, of the tryout, this 26 year old guy who I think is an ancient fossil. But now that I'm 22, I'm like, wow, that's a right around the corner. He comes walking down to the bench and he says like, you know, there's a lot of you out here. Not all of you are going to make the team. Uh, and that's the reality of it. And he says that there's a club two program uh, going on at UNH and that tryouts are this date. If you want my info, go to the captains. So the morning of when we hear about the roster and I don't make the cut, I instantly reach out to the captains of the Acha team. And after a little bit of time, I finally get the info. The other guy, shoot him a text right away and he asked me to go to a stick and puck i'm like all right like you know how many kids are going to show up to this i know there's already 70 how many are going to actually go so i'm in back of my mind i'm like there's probably gonna be like 60 kids still at this tryout so i'm like okay i'll go to stick time with them go out and he's flying like i think that this club two team either he's the best person on it or if he's the average kid we're going to be buzzing and we're going to be the most legitimate club two program and probably club two history so then tryouts come make the team have a blast the first year kind of tailing back to the stick time i was asking him i was like out questions i was like so are we going to be as legit as like the other team um are we going to be head to toe like the d1 team this and that turns out we weren't we actually had modified jerseys but it was jerseys that like almost everyone on campus had wanted but we couldn't sell them because we weren't directly affiliated with the school and that's where things kind of get fun and interesting too so for two years we kind of go on with that sophomore year we play out the year and everything covid comes at the end of it we all know the story of that where it's the longest spring break and i've gone from assistant captain to leading the team because we know there's not going to be a year junior year once we step in. So we kind of roll into a men's league team summer of our senior year. So this is last summer. We're stepping in and it's supposed to be me, a co-captain and an assistant. And we're like, okay, we want something organized. We still want to kind of have fun and kind of be loose, but we want to be in an organized league. So I'm looking at Acha D2 and Acha D3. I'm contacting everyone I know. I'm looking at everything. I'm like, okay, realistically, we can't raise the price by two grand because my freshman year, and sorry if I'm getting ahead of myself on this, but my freshman year, we were paying $800 for a full season. And this is 16 games. This is like eight or nine home and then filling the rest of the way against teams that are already in the CHF in the CHF's early beginnings or they're already in the ACHA. So it's still big schools like Sacred Heart, Brown. I mean, Maritime's not a huge name school, but it's big in uh, you know Massachusetts. We're playing Division three schools as well. So we're playing NCAA D3. We want something more organized. We look at the CHF. We're like, wow, still like half the cost of the ACHA in terms of fees. Why don't we do that? We see that a lot of the teams we're already playing are in the CHF. So we sign up for that absolute battle to get into a league. The commissioners of the CHF have got to hand it to them. They made it really easy. I was telling Glick this earlier, but even though I wasn't a founding father of the team because the team had been going for eight or nine years before me, I I like to claim myself as a founding father into kind of the role of bringing us into a league because the co-captain I was supposed to have and the alternate decided to go to Asha a week before we had made the merge to CHF, which is amazing for them. And they're going to do great things. And I'm going to be able to work with them now in the coordinator role. We went from independent to CHF within a summer. And I think the program's trajectory is changed for the better. So I, I can't wait to see what's happening now. Yeah. So you're on like the Ra- the Mount Rushmore of UNH club hockey, basically. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, except for the uh, two twins with the uh, 100 points, but... (laughs) 
So what's the dynamic like with having two other teams on campus, both NCAA and the ACHA team? Have you ever accidentally been uh, recognized as an NCAA player? Tons, because we have matching pants and obviously like navy blue gloves. Like everyone at UNH, you've got the D1 team. They've got specialized uh, navy blue gloves, but then both club teams have the regular navy blue. And if you, you know, if you didn't study people's gloves, which nobody really does, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. So same pants, same gloves, same helmet de- or same helmet decals. You know, you go to a stick and puck, and people are like, "Oh my god, like, are you on the D1 team?" This and that, and you look across, and on the ice is Luke Reed from the D1 team, Nashville Predators draft pick, and you got all these kids that are just like actually on the D1 team, and you're like, ah, like no. <laughs> but then when you go home, and people are, you know, from the East Coast, they're like, "Oh wow, we're gonna go watch your game. This actually happened." And uh, if you ever go out west, there's Burbank, which is like Hollywood area. They've got a rink. And this guy comes up to me with his kids. And they're like, oh, we're from Situate. You're going to come watch your game against Union. But it got canceled. And I was like, I was like, I had no clue how to play it out. And my buddy next to me who goes to Northeastern, he tried playing it off as if I was D1. And I was like, no, like I'm club. But <laughs> thank you. So yeah, no, definitely been confused with them. But if you go to UNH, people are ecstatic to just meet you. Like NCAA club, ACHA or CHF club, like you are, it's so weird because it's such a hockey school that you are just instantly like, I won't say chased after, but like people just adore you and they kind of like have questions and they, they want to talk to you and at least be friends with you, which is an amazing culture to be part of. And I don't know if I knew what I was getting into when I uh, applied to UNH and when I accepted uh, the admissions, which I'm really glad I did because it's like everywhere you go, people are just like, oh my God, that's so cool, which is the best feeling in the world. It's funny you say like being confused with the NCAA guys because the summer before I came to CUSE, I ordered all my Navy equipment because like, that's what it, it was like. If you were a commit for Syracuse, they told you over the summer, like you need Navy blue four roll Bauer gloves. You need a Navy blue Bauer helmet. Cause I'm from New Hampshire. I wore, I have this like UNH tryout Jersey in my bag. Like if I'm on the white team in men's league, like that's the Jersey I wear because I went to a camp when I was in high school and that's just been in my bag ever since. Literally the first day I had all my Navy blue stuff and I wore that. Somebody was like, Oh, are you going to UNH? And I was like, no. So I fully understand what you're talking about when it comes to the Navy blue gloves and the helmet. UNH has like the iconic blue and white striped jerseys that I think everybody, you know, they haven't changed them since the nineties. So uh, I definitely know what you're talking about when you say getting confused because, you know, it's such a, a classic look. Speaking of confused, you want to tell us the uh, the airport story you told me oh, a couple months back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even know if that was confusion. I had Murph, you're from New Hampshire, right? You, you said you're from New Hampshire. Um, have you ever flown out of Manch? Uh, I have not. I've flown out of Boston and I've flown out, flown out of Portland before. I've never flown out of Manchester before. Okay. So my favorite thing about the Manchester airport, it's a smaller airport and to get home, I have to take a connecting flight, but I, I kind of dealt with it. I think this was winter break. I was flying home mid-December, late December. I was flying home. My favorite thing about the Manchester airport is they've got a Sam Adams brewery in there. And so I'm I'm 21. I walk in there and I, I think I have an hour before the flight and I, I snap like, I'm like, how many drinks do I get before my flight? Because I've got a connecting in Chicago. Um, I know there's bars there. I'm like, I'm going to do the same thing there because I have a three or four hour layover. End up pounding, I think it was only like 32 ounces of beer, but it was in an hour. And then they announced the gate check. I walk over the gate check. So I've got my UNH club hockey hoodie on and I'm standing in line. And all all of a sudden I just hear from behind me, just this lady's voice like, hey, hey, excuse me. And I thought like maybe I was in the way of something. So I'm like, I start standing off to the side and this lady, maybe in her like 40s or 50s, probably like younger 
50s. Oh, no. Like, and she's like trying to pull me to the side. She's like, can my kids get a photo with you? I didn't think like I had no clue what was happening. I'm just rocked off my mind. I'm like, okay, I'm a lightweight. Like, this is fine. I'm, I'm aging out. I'm like, I have no clue what's happening. So I thought I was seeing things. And then all of a sudden, like her kids just huddle around me at Manchester airport in line of Southwest Airways. She's like about to snap her pick. And then the dad just runs in out of nowhere. And so there's a picture floating around on Facebook out there, probably somewhere with me and two kids who are probably like five years old and seven years old. And then a dad just standing there. And it was the weirdest thing because then the lady starts thanking me. I have no clue what's happening. And we're trying to board at the same time. Lines moving. I'm like, I, I have no clue what's happening. So I instantly snap click. I'm like, okay, like I need more drinks after this. But yeah, I mean, I think that just goes back to the atmosphere of people. It just, you know, no matter what level you're playing at UNH, if you have UNH hockey on, it's like. It reminds me of the picture of McDavid in the airport with like the people like holding onto his arms. Like, I think that's, that's what I'm picturing in my head right now. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I, I think if, uh, if someone found it, it would be a little bit more bags under my eyes and probably just hunched over, not as uh, confused, but more just out of it. <laughs> That's great. Hey, we, we didn't even get to uh, your welcome to the ACHA moment from your freshman season, you know, playing independent. What are some like early stories you remember? You talked about tryouts already, but maybe from the first couple games, first couple road trips, what are some early memories you had, you know? playing for UNH for whatever reason I mean we had our team was pretty stacked and I actually have two kind of welcome to club hockey moments where one is like welcome to club hockey and all and then the other one is like okay like actually welcome to like what is club hockey which I think I shed on to other people and I'll explain that in a sec but both my freshman and sophomore year we for whatever reason were like a really dominant team we had kids I think our average height was six one or six two just massive kids who could skate for who knows what reason and you know, for an independent program, I'm, I'm amazed that we were that good. So we're going into a game second semester. I think it, there were probably other moments where I'm like, okay, this is what club hockey is. This one like really stands out where we're going into the game second semester against Mass Maritime. First time we played them, it wasn't a huge problem. We played them well, but second time we're down 2-0 and going into the second, we're like, is this going to be our first loss? And it's second semester where we think we're going to be undefeated the entire year. I pop one in. I think it was just like a a one-on-one kind of rush. We go into the locker room. So we're down 2-1 going into the third and everyone's kind of out of it, but like we we still have hopes because, you know, it's 2-1. We just scored 30 seconds left in the period. We go back out third period. Sorry, he scores two within 45 seconds and we're all of a sudden up 3-2 and we won the game. It's like, I was just like, wow, like, you know, you could really do whatever you want here. I think that was my freshman year. Welcome to club hockey. I'm going into uh, last year in the CHF. It took all the way until nationals when I think I served other kids there. Uh, welcome to club hockey moment. There's a kid from Georgia and Georgia is a spectacular team and I can't wait to see them again. But uh, there's a defenseman from Georgia chirping one of our players. He's doing the classic like, oh, who are you? He's trying to do the Austin Matthews look around the shoulder look at the last name buddy like we don't have last names we can't afford it kind of thing he's like I don't even know who you are and I look at him like dude it's a CHF no one knows who each other are like you're from Georgia and we're from New Hampshire (laughs) like give it give it a break and come up with a better chirp the guy just looks at me he's like oh (laughs) and my teammate just sitting there I think that was uh you know kind of a CHF moment where it's like dude no one's looking at stat sheets there's no game notes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's no game notes. We're in New Hampshire, you're in Georgia, like two completely different parts of the world, almost. And the guy's chirping our teammate about like not knowing who he is. And it's like, later on that game, we get pumped, but still. <laughs> 
now that we're on the subject of it, you want to kind of talk about nationals because like walk us through that weekend. Cause I know you guys weren't really expecting to be there. Right. And then all of a sudden you got the call and you guys had to make last minute arrangements to get down to Philly. We found out not even joking seven days before exactly seven days before it was a weekend. I had a work meeting and I'm sitting there and we're like, you know, we, we had been on the cusp. So we top 32 teams go, we were ranked 32nd. Um, and we would have, maybe been seated a little bit higher based off like tournament bound and non-tournament bound. We were sitting 32nd. We play Anna Maria and that was a little bit of fiasco too when we went down there because they, I don't know if you guys covered it at all or if I complained to Glick about it, but there was a- We talked We talked about it, yeah. Yeah, there was, a, there was a D3 problem where we were getting chirped that we were club players and then we were like, okay, you know, we, we look up the rosters. So that's a different issue, but, you know, playing D3 players and then getting kicked out of nationals for it, it was a little tough. So then we get kicked from 30 seconds to 40. We play Babson. We sit up 40. We might make it because of non-tournament bound teams and we might make it because people getting kicked out. So we're in talks with our commissioner for a couple of days and he's like, okay, eight or nine days before nationals were happening. He's like, you guys aren't, you guys aren't going to make it. I'm sorry. I told the team, I'm like, okay, make your spring break plans. Like we're not going. Seven days before I am in a work meeting i get a text from the commissioner i've never gotten a text from him get a text from him says hey can you talk and i'm like back in my head i'm like i think i know what this is but i'm also in a work meeting getting paid right now i was like i was like yeah i'll call you in an hour i'm like i'm in a work meeting and then 20 seconds go by if even that where i'm just staring off into space i'm like i should probably take this so i sprint out of my work meeting while they're still kind of um, discussing stuff i hop on the phone with them and my heart's racing he tells us we made it the bid to nationals he said we're the 32nd team at the time i think we bumped down to 29 by the start of nationals but yeah take the call i race back in and then i sit there for five seconds run back out i start calling people can't even like hold back the excitement and finally break it to everybody i'm like we made nationals fast forward the seven days we go into it and we have 12 skaters and two goalies so we have 14 total kids we have 12 skaters two goalies for two of those games we didn't even have all 12 skaters so we bring not even two full lines to nationals and there's an ongoing joke in our team where like we're skating in warm-ups and you know we're doing our regular thing and we all look at the other team's bench you look at georgia's bench or usf and bama they've got more coaches on their bench than we have players and we're like you know like, what, what do we do when they have eight coaches on their bench and we have three guys like so we ended up playing kind of like a nest cat kind of feel where it's like you're just sitting down blocking shots and hoping for something and we I mean, it worked for a while and I was just talking to a few guys that like, you know, if we had all four lines, a 29th seed would have looked a lot more like a 10th seed or 5th seed because we were playing teams pretty well. But So you got a chance to be at the first CHF Nationals. Can you tell us about kind of overall how that tournament felt, what that experience was like? I think for it being the first CHF Nationals, because I know they've had kind of tournament aspects in the past i think they've had one before pretty okay for them covid canceled their first national tournament they were like halfway through it and they had to they had to can it i know this was the full first nationals but like the way they handled it everything going into it was just it was it was superb like i enjoyed it i think it brought me back to the days where you're you're with your team and uh youth hockey and you're going to these i don't know if you guys have done the silver stick or bauer invites um i think it's a ccm invite now for all the younger kids but it's like going back to these massive tournaments going back to youth nationals and it's like you kind of get that exhilarating feeling again except this time like now i'm making the itinerary and we're going out to like lunches and stuff but the way the chf handled it felt very professional you know we got everything down to the t they gave us the timings and stuff so whether that was like you know specific time for warm-ups to the second and then being able to do the national anthem and stuff which is something we did but not every team did so it was like nice to have it on a consistent basis where we weren't running you know 
being able to play a big school like Georgia, where they've got fans tailgating in the parking lot. They come out and like, I think you came to the USF game, but uh, when we played Georgia, you know, I didn't hear much of it, but uh, my girlfriend and our goalie's girlfriend, who are our immediate girls for the tournament, they were getting barked at by the Georgia fans, which I think is hilarious. They didn't like it too much, but I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. So they're getting barked at because it's the Bulldogs. You know, you got USF and all these fans are, especially College South, you know, this is the, I think club hockey, and you can use this as a soundbite if you want, but I think club hockey, has been so instrumental in growing hockey itself by going into these big areas like the South because you've got teams like Georgia who are now getting a 5,000 seat stadium. They're going to be able to match the Arizona Coyotes. And you've got schools like USF where they're getting the Tampa Bay Lightning singer. And, you know, Bama is just you know, roll tide kind of atmosphere. But it's these big schools and you've got such an exposure that I think club hockey Again, it's very instrumental. I think USA Hockey should really be capitalizing on all this stuff because it's the future. Club hockey is the future for a lot of these schools, and it's going to be their ticket to division sports. You mentioned uh, playing Babson. Was that a team that was kind of on your radar in terms of the teams that you guys had played against? Did you think that that was one of the better teams you played? I mean, they went on to win the national championship. I I don't think any of us here at the Hockey House saw that one coming. You know, like you mentioned, we were talking about those big schools down south. We thought that they were going to come run the tournament, the Georgias and the South Carolinas. And then out of nowhere, Babson College brought it home. Uh, absolutely. I My first time playing them was sophomore year. And so they... I think they were already in the CHF, um, and this is when we were still independent. And we we played really well with them. We tied them and beat them with my sophomore year squad. And then we go into our first year in the CHF last year. And, you know, we, we open up against an ACHA team. We play Bentley, play them okay. We play a few teams. And then we look at the stat sheets and stuff, and we see Babs, and it's just beating these teams. I'm like, they did something, you know, whether it was a coaching change or, you know, they picked up a few really smart kids that knew how to hold a hockey stick. And these kids were just absolutely amazing. So we, we go into our first game with them. And we're like, okay, we, you know, we're at 40th seed now because we played them the last two games of the year. Going to the first game, we're like, we just got to keep it close. Keep the next game close. We're going to play them in the semis without a doubt because we're going to be the fourth seed going in uh, New England Conference. So we come out first period, we, we play okay. Second period, we come out and these guys are just flying. They're making tic-tac-toe passes around us. And they were doing this in the first period too, but we handled it a little bit better. And I remember after the game, I looked at our goalie, who I think was the all-star goalie of the the entire league for the entire year. I look at him, I go, I mean, he let in, I think, eight goals, nine goals that, that night on like 60 or 65 shots. I told him like, hey, don't hang your head high. I was like, this team, I was like that Babson team out there, they're going to win the Fed Cup. I'm like, there's no doubt about it. And sure enough, you know, they go into nationals and they start rolling teams to start. I think they had, they struggled with one or two teams and then they came to, I think it was Binghamton in the finals and it was a close game, but like, I think if you watch back, it wasn't too too big of a struggle for the Bats and Beavers there. I, I knew that they were going to you know, do something great, if not win the Fed Cup. We, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, but Babson, I mentioned that they kind of looked like they had like the high school all-star team look because they didn't have the matching pants, gloves, or helmets. I know you were big into designing the jerseys for last season, kind of going back to that iconic UNH look with the uh, – the old school NH on the front. Talk about kind of working with Rebirth and designing those jerseys because I know you mentioned the ones that you guys had before that were kind of uh, pretty old. I kind of draw, actually it's funny because you know, bringing you back to Babs and they've got like the yellow helmets and some of them have like yellow gloves and there's other kids with matching helmets and stuff. And we were uh, in the tunnel because the two teams shared a tunnel from their locker rooms. And one of the kids looks over at us and is like, wow, like if only we got the funding you guys got, we could get cool jerseys. We look at them, we go, dude, we pay for these ourselves. Like, you know, no one's getting free funding. You know, schools are 
schools are going to be schools and, uh, you know, not fund everything. So back with uh, working with Rebirth, I know you guys had Doug on about a year ago, um, the founder, and I think he's the CEO. Amazing to work with. I told him kind of like what we wanted to do, how we wanted to go about it, because we didn't just just want the uh, classic UNH across as cool as that would be. Um, so we had to scheme something and weren't really allowed to use the classic UNH across at the time. I was thinking of stuff. I told my brother, who's really into kind of designing little logos and stuff. I was like, okay, I kind of want this. And I sent him a photo. And it was, uh, um, if you've ever been in the wit in the far back, there's a picture of a guy holding up the uh, giant fish because uh, for the D1 team, every first goal that UNH scores, he tosses it there's a picture of him um he's wearing kind of this new hampshire yankee kind of look where it's the h within the n and so i kind of wanted to replicate that so i'm designing it and my brother's helping me and we kind of put it into fruition where it's like this really cool kind of not really yankee knockoff because it was modeled after um, a really really old logo that was never commissioned but we finally developed this like nh look and if you guys pull up a photo if this makes it to the web yeah there's the nh logo and we like this like this is going to be the logo you know if i was still on the team i would be working with rebirth because everything was super easy yeah clicks got it everything was super easy and doug was the nicest guy there was a, a really big turnaround which kind of sucked but that was just because so many teams love rebirth and you know if you're a team in club or if you're a beer league team and you're looking to get really nice jerseys both sublimated and stuff this sounds like an ad but i i highly recommend at least working with doug and just talking to him because he's a really great guy but the team is just went on to a new jerseys and new kits and stuff um it's the classic uh you know wildcat straight down collegiate style so i think it'll be i mean i wish i was still on the team because i would love to wear that my dad is a big old school fan and he loves the the yankee logo and i keep like you mentioned it's the yankee it looks like the yankees but it's not an n and a y it's an n and an h and i think it's from the old uh, when UNH used to have varsity baseball as a sport, I think that was the logo on their hats is where it comes from. But you're right. It was never like an official school logo. So he's always looking for stuff with it. I think he's got a hat or something like that. And then I remember when you guys came out with those jerseys, I showed it to him. And he was like, those are so sick. Yeah, no, it was really special to kind of put our own touch on it because, you know, kind of going through the whole program, it was like, okay, we're using a couple of jerseys and then being able to finally design our own and kind of pay respects to the history of UNH in a way while still being able to just do it the way we want. I, I think it put a lot of smiles on people's faces. But then again, you like walk around campus and people are, you know, especially in intramurals, someone sees your helmet decal and they're like, oh, like Yankees. And that's the only thing they're chirping you about. It's like, all right, like, um, especially up in the New England region where everyone's a Sox fan. People don't really get the uh, connection, but I mean, to us, it was really cool because we were getting compliments from other teams. So this coming year, your kids get a chance to play Bishop's University up in Canada. Did you plan that trip or is that something that the next or the incoming president plan? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's that's actually completely on the upcoming president and players on bishops. I think all the presidents on bishops are still the same ones. Last year, we really wanted to go up and we had everything marked out to go up. It was a week or two before our trip was planned or our trip was supposed to happen. One of the captains from bishops reaches out to me. He goes, you know, COVID's really bad up here in Quebec. Our school just advised us that no, no US team comes up because if you come up, like you'll be stuck here. And I was like, that's not the end of the world like you know being stuck in Canada for a week isn't terrible but we, we had to stay back and uh, eventually they came down but we already had games planned against people and we really wanted to play them I'm really happy that we get to play them this year but uh, sadly I'll be in a suit and tie instead of skates and a jersey looking back on your, your time 
at UNH, I think perfect guy for the role here and now because of all the experiences you went through. What are going to be some of your your key memories looking back on your hockey career at the college level? I, I really do think it's being with all the guys and just kind of playing the sport. I know even today, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the Letterkenny spinoff Shorzy, they were just sitting there at season end and I almost started tearing up this morning because I, I just miss you know being able to be at school and seeing all my friends and knowing that I can just go out and play a game of hockey with a bunch of guys and play competitively against other schools in the position that I'm going to be in. So I'm going to be coaching. I don't think I've told you guys this, but uh, I'm going to be coaching the kiddies this year. So I'll be able to do that in a suit and tie. But again, in the coordinator role, I'm going to be able to kind of exert that experience off on every club team, which I think is, you know, the big reason why I actually took the job and the reason why I see it as a career, because my experience of making all these friends and making all these competitive experiences and being able to go to nationals and all these different things to you know hundreds of kids that are going through college because you don't really know what struggles they're going through and you know to me it was like hockey was a place that I found myself just kind of being free of everything and kind of being able to live and compete against people and I know for a lot of people this is going to be the same thing for their respective sport whether this is you know uh, fencing or ultimate frisbee as I know Glick likes to make fun of on the pod but stepping into your role you'll now be overseeing you know three club teams that went to nationals last year. How cool was that, that all the club hockey teams at UNH got to go to nationals last year? Absolutely ecstatic feeling. I mean, we knew that the both ACHA teams, you know, the men's and the women's were going. And then when we found out that we were, we were like, this is a school of national tournament champions, even though none of us had won. But like, it was just such a cool experience to know that, you know, every program had been successful enough to be able to go to these, uh, these tournaments. And, you know, I think, especially the ACHA team, because we, we hadn't had any um, opportunities to go just because we weren't affiliated with any league. ACHA team, other than my sophomore year, had gone on a streak of national run and national run. They'd gone to Dallas, Texas for the national tournament my freshman year, and they'd won in 2014. You know, it's it's this long history of UNH just being this absolute competitor in club sports, even kind of going away from hockey too, just being proud of the club programs that we provide, like the lacrosse team at campus is huge. They're constantly number one. And we could bend some things for Title IX and kind of funding within the school for Division One athletics. Those kids that are playing lacrosse would no doubt be in the division program at UNH because it's like you're sending all these different programs to nationals and their respective nationals. And I, again, wanting to kind of exert my experience and what I was able to kind of go through on the other teams, if I can kind of get, you know, the competitive success that we had to every other team, I think that would be absolutely amazing. Going back to a thing with the uh, all three teams making nationals for hockey, I was in charge of the social media and stuff for my team. And I reached out to both the women's team and the ACHA team. I was like, hey, send me a photo of one of your players. I'm making a graphic. Women's team sent me it immediately. Men's team didn't even bother looking at the DM. And I was like, all right. So I just grab a random photo, throw it on there. Both teams started reposting. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Well, Wes, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, before you go, want to give you the chance to give any shout outs, some thank yous to the people at, at UNH or who've helped you along the way. Because I know how appreciative you've been of those people that helped you out in the journey of you know getting the wild kitties back on track. Oh yeah, definitely a big thank you. Obviously, the past coordinator, Aaron Croce, he's uh, he was a big role model to me, and I, I wish he was still in the role because I'd love to be his assistant. And he really helped us. He 
use everything from our contact to kind of something as small as checking in on us. A big shout out to someone I tried getting onto the pod tonight, but he is sadly in the Navy. Now he was our former coach. He was just this random kid that had texted me saying like, oh, I, he missed or I missed his DM on TikTok, even though I didn't even follow him back. So I couldn't get it. Inviting me to stick and puck. And then come time, he wants to come out to one of the captain skates. Turns out he's not even in snow anymore. Uh, so Mikey, uh, he was really big as a coach. And it would have been really fun to get him out. But again, he's in the Navy, so he can't really take calls past whatever time. Huge shout out to all the kiddies from last year, both the ones that went to nationals and the one that couldn't, uh, the ones that couldn't, because it was it was a year that I'll never forget. And all the kiddies that came before me, because it's it's like something that I wish I could go back to. And every time I think about hockey and, you know, I listen to one of your guys' pods from a current player. I'm like, oh, like, I wish they knew this or I wish I knew that. And then even past players kind of reminiscing and being like, well, to any current players or anybody that's coming into uh, club sports, cherish it uh, it doesn't last forever but it's it's a friend group and a network that you'll meet forever and you know you'll look back on it and really be sad about it and i know i am but i'm really happy that it happened so awesome well wes thanks again i think that's a perfect place to cut it and we appreciate you joining us tonight yeah thank you guys once again thanks to wes for coming on and joining the show always good to have somebody on who's been a long time listener i think those interviews honestly go a lot easier because they just know what to expect and they, they've been listening for a long time. They they have the answers prepped in their head almost and the conversation just flows pretty well. So shout out to Wes for coming on. Uh, we got games to watch. We did this last week. Uh, we took a, a, a little bye week last week to get caught up on some schoolwork and some other things, but this is the first one on the pod. Uh, we'll run down the games that you should be checking out, the games to watch, and then we'll wrap it up with our picks for the game of the week. I believe this game, is this game sold out yet, Herm? I know tickets went on sale about three hours ago. I would assume it's sold out by now, but Friday night, September 23rd, uh, University of South Carolina has taken on the University of Georgia at the Plex SEC matchup. Two of the better teams in college hockey South, I think uh, most people would agree on. The defending champs. UGA taking on the Gamecocks at the Plex. This place is going to be buzzing for sure. It's the, it's their first home home game, correct? No, they did they right. They had a home and home with UNCW. Uh, they got the sweep there. But looking forward to seeing that atmosphere again on Friday. Number one, University of Central Oklahoma taking on number nine, Maryville at the Arctic Edge. This is going to be the first test of the year for the team. Basically picked to be number one right now. They made it to the national championship game, fell to Lindenwood who was stacked. I mean, basically playing an NCAA team at that point, but UCO opens it up at home with a challenge against number nine, Maryville, who was buzzing last weekend. I don't think we we got to mention that, but the Maryville University Hockey Center was electric this weekend. I mean, student section had to have been sold out. They did like a blackout theme. Place was packed. Uh, The photos from that were great. So the the Saints are going to travel to Arctic Edge and we get a top 10 matchup on opening night for number one in the country. In men's division two, we have a great matchup in the T. We got the University of Louisville taking on University of Cincinnati at the Iceland Sports Complex. Basically a keg of nails here. Top M2 matchup. Really looking forward to seeing this one. Back to division one, we've got number 15, Michigan Dearborn taking on Grand Valley State. Two Michigan teams going at it. Always exciting. These matchups are also exciting because it's opening weekend for a lot of these teams, which is is great to see. Uh, Moving on in men's two, George Washington is taking on Georgetown, and this one's going to be at Capital One Arena, which phenomenal. Talk about a, a way to open up the season. Playing at Capital One Arena before the NHL is in action, I think is a great call. 
I know previously they played after NHL games, which I think is a a late sell. This is going to be great to see two DC schools going head to toe uh, where the Capitals play. In Division Three, we have a battle for the state of Missouri. Missouri State taking on the University of Missouri. That's Mizzou for you folks at home. Chance for Miz to kind of back up the shots that they've called in-state rivalry. Missouri State, you know, a well-known D3 team. And then on Friday night, we've got a battle of the Mitten. Michigan State taking on University of Michigan in the Paul Bunyan rivalry. We've got San Diego State taking on Colorado in their first game at the Division I level. And then wrapping it up for games to watch, Battle of Philly, Temple taking on Drexel at the Igloo. I know Glick and the boys are pretty fired up for this one. Temple coming off two losses last weekend and Drexel opening up the season. Great non-conference rivalry in the city of brotherly love. So yeah, the boys always have this game circled on our calendar every time the schedule comes out. And just the fact that it's our home opener makes it even that much sweeter. The game of the week, we are heading to Pelham, Alabama, the Pelham Civic Complex ACHA men's one University of Alabama, the frozen tide taking on CHF opponent Auburn, the iron cup on ice. People are fired up for this one. I know they did this last year and it had a great turnout. Uh, We're going to go down the line and kind of give our picks. Collins, who's not here tonight, said Bama's an absolute lock, slightly biased though, because I know some people there. Uh, Shout out to Savannah Rum on the Bama D2 social team who is also from Baltimore. So he's picking the tide. Glick, who are you going with? I'm also going to have to pick the Tide. I have a little slight bias because they are an ACHA team. I do love supporting the ACHA. I just think they're a better team, though, overall. Fitzy, who are you going with? I, I can't have another run-in with the uh, like the boys I did with in, in Binghamton, at Binghamton University, so I got to go with the Frozen Tide. I'm going to be seeing them around the rink down there, so I, I don't want any trouble this season. Herm, what are you going with? This hurts me because I'm friendly with Eamon Smith, who has done so, so much really, really good work for Auburn. And I'm going to say Bama by two, but the game stays close. I want to be proven wrong. I really, really want to be proven wrong, and I want to see an upset on this. But I think Bama pulls it out. I think it's cool. We've I mentioned we've seen a lot of M1 versus M2 action. There have been a decent amount of ACHA versus CHF action. Uh, the CHF teams, I think, have, been, have had the ACHA's number uh, in the matchups that we've seen so far. I'm picking Bama here. I just think, you know, Bama's played a couple games. They, they played at OU last weekend. Uh, they got the split there on the road. I think having that... Com- competition level at the ACHA one level is going to be too much for Auburn to handle. Like I said, I'm, I'm really hoping for a good game. I've always had a love for, for Bama before I even really knew what the ACHA was. I remember seeing their Harambe jerseys from way back when always had a soft spot for those guys, but I think it's going to be all tied this weekend. We love when this happens. Usually I just sit here 20 minutes before we start recording and try to come up with a question that we haven't asked already. Herm, we got a question submitted this week. What do we got? Yeah, this one comes from friend of the podcast, former Maryville social media manager, Elma Muheljik. She asks, who do you think will be the next quote-unquote Lindenwood? Someone who's consistently good and a future NCAA D1 team. Herm, I want to start with your pick because I think your pick is kind of what most people w- would think right now based off the college hockey radar. It's it's the guys we talk about at nauseum on the podcast. The guys with the money, the guys with success. It's Liberty and UNLV. Liberty makes the jump if they win a national title. I think Kirk Handy wants to chase that ACHA men's one national title for as long as he will coach, and I don't see them making the jump until that happens. 
UNLV has been making so much of a sustained push, scheduling NCAA opponents, pouring a ton of money into the program that it's inevitable that I think that they make the jump. Glick, I like your pick here. Kind of walk us through the thought process you had. Yeah, so I think the next team that's going to make the jump to the NCAA like at Lindenwood isn't going to be a men's team. I think it's going to be a women's team. Um, Someone like Liberty, maybe even ASU or Minot, they're all really good programs. And if a men's team can do it, I definitely think women's team, it's bound to happen for sure. Especially ASU. I'm completely shocked that ASU with all their facilities was not NCAA and they're, they're a club team. Especially too, because like Penn State, when they went varsity and men's, they also went varsity and women's. I thought maybe with the rink being built that ASU would elevate their women's team. But I mean, they do have a really good program going on. So definitely keep an eye on them. And I'm sure they're pumped to be playing in Mullet Arena this year. Fitzy, who do you have? This this question, it kind of makes me sad because Illinois being a, a native of Chicago and all the hype over the, the past few years of U of I, you know, oh, where they're going to go NCAA D1 and the Hawks are taking care of them. So whenever, you know, questions like these come up, I think of I think of U of I a lot. And it's unfortunate that they're not pursuing that anymore. So I figured I'd go with kind of two off the wall picks. Um, first, Grand Valley State, Michigan school. You're always going to have good hockey up there. I'm not sure where they're ACHA D1 team plays but when I played their D2 team up there they definitely the rink situation it was you know a fine rink but for for something like NCAA jump you you need to figure that out and get something better the other one the boys were just talking about University of Bama it's definitely a an awesome area that they have there right next to to Tuscaloosa and Tuscaloosa did I say that right Tuscaloosa Tuscaloosa let's just skip skip the Right, right next to the university, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so you get the the support there. So you know, obviously, the the rink there is a lot better than most ACHA schools that you're going to see. So those are my my two off the wall picks. But like we discussed earlier, the uh, Liberties and the UNLVs, and then your per, your pick coming up here, Murph. I, I think those are the definitely the front runners. Yeah, before we get to my pick, I want to Aiden also had UNLV. And he had Minot, but he went a little rogue with his last pick. And I actually don't hate the last pick either because I think it's a combination of a couple of different things we've already mentioned. I think one, a lot of teams are chasing the national championship. Before they want to go D1, they want to get the national championship because you want to win at this level. That's exactly what ASU did. They got a title. And then after the title, they started looking around and they that's where they found the money for NCAA hockey. I think especially with LIU being at the Division One level, an, in, an in-state rivalry on the island with Stony Brook would be huge for college hockey. I think if Stony Brook gets an, an ACHA title, definitely watch out for that because I think you know people on Long Island love Stony Brook and I'm sure they would support the team more than they probably do with LIU. Another one I completely forgot of, Florida Gulf Coast, I think. That's another one you could throw in there. Yeah, that's a team that's been a powerhouse in, in D2 for a while now. So, that I mean, that would be so sweet if they went. Um, especially they got they pull, they share the building with the, the Everblades too. So, I mean, they, they have the facility for it. But my pick, like Herm, Liberty and UNLV were my immediate first thoughts. And then I got thinking, the question here is who's going to be the next Lindenwood? And I think Maryville is going to try to copy the Lindenwood blueprint. They have a rink on campus that is gorgeous, the Maryville University Hockey Center. They play in St. Louis. 
They've got that hockey factory mentality where they have teams at every level now and they pack the barn and like Lindenwood, they're a division two school. Lindenwood just recently moved up to D1. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a St. Louis rivalry. If you saw your rival school walk to division one, I'm sure there's been conversations at Maryville about making the jump pretty soon. And I think they have the rink, they have the facilities to do so. They've been climbing the rankings the past three years now. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all for them to make the jump. And a key question when you make the jump is who are NCAA teams near us that we can play? And boom, right away, Lindenwood. For the record, I just want to say that my answer would have been Iowa State before they got Thanos snapped out of existence by Campus Rec. Yeah, RIP. And while we're on the topic of it, one of the goalies transferred to Grand Valley State, and I saw he's got the yellow pads still. Dom, our guy, took photos of it. Let's see if we can pull it up. But I was just like, damn, that's that's got to be a tough one to see for Iowa State fans. Yeah, Devin Devin Nato. It's like the goalies in the NHL when they get traded at the deadline, right? He's got the yellow and maroon pads with the blue GVSU jersey. Yeah, I think that that would also have been a, a really good pick, and hopefully they can kind of get back on track moving forward here. Um, that's pretty much all I got. Like I said, excited for this weekend. We we played Kent State my freshman year, and I think. I always just get excited when we play opponents we haven't played in a while. Like every year we play the Niagara's, the Buffalo's, the Stony Brook's, the URI's. And it's just kind of nice to play a, a new team and not the, a new team, but my first ACHA game was against Kent State at Kent State. And that was a blast. So looking forward to having it kind of come full circle and having opening night for my senior year against Kent State. Looking forward to that. Herm, anything else? I mean, you're, you're going to come. You're going to see it. So I'm sure you're looking forward to that. But hopefully another big weekend in Syracuse. Fired up for the crowd on Saturday. It's going to be a good time. If you're in the area, come show up. We'll get photos of you. I promise. If you walk up to me when I've got my camera with my bandaged fucking hand and you're like, Herm, I want a photo. I'll take a photo. It's all good. Show up. Cuse is sweeping this weekend. No doubt in my mind. Jeez, Herm, you're just throwing bulletin board material out there. Come on. We got to keep keep it, keep it on the down low. Nobody listens this long in the podcast anyway. It's all good. <laughs> Fitzy, what do you got before us before we leave? You gotta teach Herm how to give one of those pump up speeches. He needs to work on that for the boys uh, <laughs> before the game. There, yeah, maybe, maybe. Hopefully, hopefully after the weekend, Herm can get up and give the speech on on Saturday <laughs> night. All right, Glick, Battle of Philly. Uh, what are what are your keys to the weekend? Keys to the weekend, I'd say put the puck in their net more than they put it into our net. Simple as that. All right, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for everyone listening, and and have a, a great weekend. See you, boys. See you, boys.